0: And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Seedmaster. Save up to 22.50 dollars per acre on canola with the Seedmaster Ultra Pro 2 individual row metering system. Today, Regina businesses give a big vote of support to the $4 billion farm irrigation project at Lake Diefenbaker. We take a look at crops in the Swift Current District. Real agriculture looks at the grasshopper threat. We look at some of the stormy weather in the eastern Grain Belt. We have comments on haying problems in the northern Grain Belt. And a Watrous area farmer is part of a summer tour. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. Business leaders in Regina are voicing support for the $4 billion Lake Diefenbaker Water Development Project. The Saskatchewan government project would take 10 years and double the irrigated farmland to 500,000 acres. The Chair of Economic Development Regina, Frank Hart, says the project will unlock opportunities for farmers and value-added food processing in locations like Regina and Moose Jaw.
1: Well, I think it's a good uh, project for Saskatchewan, but for southern Saskatchewan, you know, which affects Regina Moose Jaw area, uh, it has a lot of potential to intensify agriculture and uh, support more value-added processing of, of agriculture products in uh, in the southern part of the province.
0: What are some of the key advantages you, you see for Regina and, say, Moose Jaw?
1: Well, you know, I think there are a number of projects. For example, we've been um, working on with various industry partners who you know, some of them could, you know, if they go ahead, will, will require quite a bit of fresh water. And so this is um, certainly enhances the security of that, you know, in terms of um, them getting access to the fresh water they need for food processing or, or other kind of products that they're making or proposing to make. You know, that's one big advantage of it. It provides a good source of fresh water supply. I think irrigation itself, as I mentioned, would intensify more higher value crops production on, on farmland in the area. And that's likely to end up in processing or handling facilities in in Regina Moose Jaw area. So it's is just generally strong for economic development in the region overall.
0: So you see a lot of room for growth in the food production processing area.
1: Yeah, I mean if you look at the world population, you know it it grows uh, pretty dramatically till about 2050. And you know a lot of the uh, the demand for, for food product, particularly as you get a larger middle class in the world, is looking for more protein. There's a lot of uh, protein in Saskatchewan crops that um, you know is shipped out as whole seed, and that protein can be extracted and uh, produced. You know, used to produce high value food ingredients or food products, and so all of that processing potential is um, is enhanced by the project.
0: In your statement from business development perspectives, you, you see this as a legacy project.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I think, you know, I'm also chair the Board of Protein Industries Canada and, and so we've we've been looking at where the future is for for Canada in particular in terms of a world supplier of food. And, you know, because we've always had that role to some degree in Canada, but I think with the growing population and the effects of climate change, we, we expect to see, you know, certainly I think Saskatchewan will probably do okay. I mean, we'll probably get a, you know, number more frost-free days a year will help our growing season quite a bit but i think we'll also see you know wide swings in uh, in in wet years and in dry years and so you know the legacy aspect of this project is it gives us the ability to manage what is likely to be increasing uh, freshwater runoff from the mountains through this the South Saskatchewan River and so in wet years, it'll allow you to control flooding much more effectively. In dry years, it provides water for irrigation. So I think from a legacy point of view, it'll help us manage the effects of climate change quite well.
0: You want to see Regina developed into an agriculture and food hub as a priority?
1: Yes, the board of Economic Development Regina and the team have really focused on that as a unique opportunity. I mean, we're you know in one of the largest crop-producing areas in the world, you know with a series of products that are you know produced in a pretty sustainable environment given zero-till and and the way agriculture technology is going. So I think, you know, Western Canada is in a good spot. And, you know, Southern Saskatchewan, Regina is right at the center of that in terms of much of the crop base. So it's a natural place to build processing, particularly with the logistics capabilities here now with both Chooker Creek and GTH and the bypass and those kinds of things and our access to supply of of raw materials for processing. So it it makes a lot of sense, I think, for Regina and Moosjoa area.
0: Frank Hart is the Chair of Economic Development, Regina. This segment is brought to you by the Canadian Canola Growers Association, helping farmers succeed for over 35 years. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. And brought to you by Salford Group. The summer early order program is extended through July. Call your Salford equipment dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. Crops in southwest Saskatchewan are in good shape despite some weather problems. The crop extension specialist in Swift Current, Shannon Chant, says hail has caused some crop loss in the region.
2: There's been some pretty good moisture in, uh, in a lot of areas, although it has been patchy, so it kind of depends on where you are. Um, unfortunately, there has been, um, I'm sure as everyone's heard, some hail damage. and There's actually a few tornadoes kind of a bit fairly further south and a bit further east of me, so that makes life interesting. With it, with light damage, you know, it, it takes a, a little while. So probably assessments could happen on those crops this weekish, just to see what damage is like. Although in some cases, from what I've heard, it's just kind of flattened, and then you're kind of, you know, where you sit, I guess.
0: So hail um, has been a problem this year. Is there, are there any areas that have had too much moisture?
2: I don't know if it's too much moisture or not, but in the Elrose area, we have been seeing some more root rot. One place I stopped had some fairly heavy rain over a short period, and that may have caused some compaction in the soil, or it's hard to tell what compaction is caused from necessarily. it could have been equipment as well. But we are seeing some some root rots that are showing up and causing some shortening of plants, so kind of in water runs as well, so it's possible you know if water is moving fairly quickly, when you get a a fair amount of moisture over a short time, that could cause some stress as well.
0: What stage of crop development would it be at? Normal, above or below?
2: Um, I think it's pretty close. We've been uh, maybe a little bit slow, but I think with the heat and with the moisture, things are are catching up.
0: So what conditions do crops need over the next couple weeks?
2: If we could get some heat, and again, depending on where you are, some areas, I'm sure could use some moisture, but just kind of if we could keep it fairly fairly similar there I was in a canola crop yesterday morning that was fairly wet so for that area it probably would be good to keep some nice warmer conditions um not as not as much moisture maybe a little wind to dry things up
0: Which crops seem to be thriving which seem to be suffering
2: I've heard a little bit all over it's a map um I've seen personally I have seen some injury in NP in specifically and I've also heard of a bit of a kind of maybe some stripe rust developing on Durham and the Shawanaben area, and there's also some leaf yellowing that we're having. We're trying to figure out what's going on with that. So, a little bit of everything.
0: When do you expect crops to be ready for harvest?
2: Normally, for my area, it's usually for pulses anyway for the first or second week of August. I'm guessing we're approximately uh, about there. So, I don't think it'll be too too late of a year. So. You know, within the next month, probably there'll be some ready to go. We do have a couple of traps out for birth armyworm, moss, and canola that we monitor weekly, and we're seeing pretty low numbers there, so that's a good thing.
0: Any other pest problems? Not that I've heard of. Shannon Chant is the crop extension specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Swift
3: Current.
1: Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on The Source, 620 CKRM.
3: This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at CanolaSchool.com.
4: Hey, Kara Oosterhouse here with realagriculture.com. I am back here today with a Wheat School episode, and I have here with me John Gavlosky, who's the Provincial Entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development. How is it going today?
5: It is going good.
4: Great. So we are here today to talk about grasshoppers, specifically in your cereals. So there's specific grasshoppers that do really like those cereals. Can you talk a bit about them?
5: Yeah. So um, now, first of all, there's a lot of different types of grasshoppers Um, there's well over 100 species across canada we've got really four species we consider to be pest species of grasshoppers and of those four one of them the clear wing grasshopper is a grass specialist so it'll feed on cereals forage grasses wild grasses doesn't really care much for broadleaf plants so it's sometimes a good idea to get to know the dominant species when grasshoppers become numerous uh, because it gives you a clue what they're likely to be feeding on. If, by chance, clear-winged grasshopper is the dominant species, you really got to watch your cereals. This year, two-striped grasshopper seems to be our dominant species in Manitoba, and I think some other areas of the prairies as well. Uh, two-striped grasshopper is a generalist. They they do like a lot of the broadleaf plants, but they will feed on the cereals, so when they're abundant, you really do have to watch pretty much all your crops. They do have their, their favorites, um, but yeah, you really do have to watch pretty much all your crops.
4: And between those four dominant species, is there specific thresholds for each of them, or is it uh, kind of the same throughout each species?
5: What's tricky with grasshoppers is we really don't have good quantitative species-specific thresholds. They're they essentially are nominal thresholds. They're our best guess given the information that's available, uh, but they are general across species. So um, in cereal crops, we often recommend uh, if you've got it more than about 8 to 12 per meter square on average, that's probably a population that will cause economic damage. But again, whether it's two-striped migratory or clear wind grasshopper, you'd be using the same threshold.
4: And are grasshoppers beneficial insects to any other species out there? Like, is it important that we're really following those thresholds?
5: Uh, well, uh, there again, there's a lot of different types of grasshoppers. There are a lot of uh, grassland birds and things that do like eating grasshoppers, some mammals as well, um, even some reptiles that eat grasshoppers. So they, they are part of the food chain. From that perspective, there's also beneficial insects that keep their populations going with grasshoppers as their main food source. And I'll give you a couple examples here. Um, There's something called uh, the black blister beetle and another one called the ash gray blister beetle. Uh, These species of blister beetles, the larvae feed almost solely on grasshopper eggs. This year, we're seeing a lot of black blister beetles around, and that's in response to the grasshoppers being numerous. So I guess if there's some sort of silver lining to there being a lot of grasshoppers, it does help build up the, the populations of some of these beneficials. Another one is bee flies, um, which might look like a bumblebee when they come to a flower. They're kind of a larger fly. Uh, that's why they call them bee flies. They almost mimic bees. They will selectively follow grasshoppers figure out where they're laying their eggs and lay their eggs right next to the grasshopper eggs. And it's, again, um, almost specifically grasshopper eggs that the beef fly larva feed on. So those populations tend to build up when there's a lot of grasshoppers as well.
4: And what sort of conditions do grasshoppers like? Like if we're seeing a lot of uh, drought in certain areas, are we going to most likely see more grasshoppers?
5: Grasshoppers thrive in, here in North America. They thrive under hot, dry conditions. Uh, That's normally when we see most of them. If you get several hot, dry years in a row, that's often what will build the grasshopper population up. And that's exactly what's been happening here on the prairies. Uh, We we did have uh, a very wet September and early October last year. However, egg-laying time back in August was quite dry and most of the summer was actually quite dry.
3: This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Canola and its beautiful bright yellow flower blankets the prairies every growing season with 20 million plus acres. There's one place you need to go to get all your canola agronomic information. canolaschool.com That's where you'll find all you need to know about seeding, disease, weeds and insects, harvest and marketing. Engaging and informative content all at your fingertips when you need the information. Visit canolaschool.com, brought to you by Invigor Hybrid Canola and BSF Canada.
0: The official 620 CKRM Farm Weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland, working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352 1866. The 620 CKRM Farm Weather. Partly cloudy today, 30% chance of showers with risk of a thunderstorm. Wind west 40 gusting to 60, the high today 23, the low tonight 11. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. Wind west 30 gusting to 50, the high 27. Wednesday, the low 11. Thursday, sunny, the high 27, the low 14. Friday, partly cloudy, the high 28, 30% chance of evening showers Friday with a low of 12. Saturday, sunny, the high 25, the low 12. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 23, the low 12. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 24. Normal high is 25, the normal low is 11. Sun rose at 5.03 this morning. It sets at 9.05 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Moose Jaw at 22. The cold spot, Waskasoo Lake at 14. Estevan is 21, Saskatoon 18, Swift Current 19, Weyburn and Yorkton both 20 degrees. In Regina with cloudy skies, it's 21, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west at 44, gusting to 58. Humidity is 48%, the barometer dropping 101.1. the cloudy in Moose Jaw, 22. Winds are from the west at 50, gusting to 70. Once again, Regina, cloudy in 21, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalauctions.com And SMHI, crop hail insurance at cost. Online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. SMHI.ca Some stormy weather made its way across many parts of the area yesterday with rain, windy, gusts, and hail. Terry Lang is a forecaster with Environment Canada and says the storms were fairly widespread. Well, it's,
6: uh, it was
0: an interesting
6: system in that we have a big uh, low pressure system up through northern Saskatchewan and it's just kind of spitting these bands of uh, showers and thunder showers through. And for the most part, uh, the, the thunder showers were sort of benign. You know, you get a little bit of rain and then a, a little bit of hail. But then we had a couple of cells that uh, got a little more vigorous. Uh, over southeastern Saskatchewan, and we saw a couple uh, significant storms, one that uh, went through Melville and another one that uh, went through Duck Mountain, both of which seemed uh, to have a bit more energy to them.
0: Lang says wind gusts reached about 90 kilometers an hour or higher. She says there was wind damage to buildings, trees, and some vehicles in the Melville area. She adds there may be more severe weather later today. Well, that low pressure
6: system is sort of Stuck over uh, northern Saskatchewan, northern Manitoba. So I think we're going to continue to see bands of uh, showers, thunder showers move through. Uh, whether they become severe, you know, it's just sort of these pop-up ones and hard, very hard to determine who's going to get hit and who's not. So people should just be prepared for these showers and thunder showers. And if uh, it's starting to get uh, murky out there, then it's time to take cover.
0: Terry Lang is a forecaster with Environment Canada. Ongoing rain has slowed down haying in many northern and central regions. Arnold Belicki farms in the Shellbrook area and is chair of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association.
7: I don't know the exact figure for the month of July, but we're well in excess of five inches in our area. And it's exactly uh, more moisture than, than normal for this time of the year. So we now have our low-lying land where the crops are, are turning yellow and water's laying there. We've wanted to start haying for about the last week, but don't dare because every second, third day it rains, and so we just can't do it right now.
0: Bilecki says pastures are doing well, but spring conditions have hurt the forages.
7: The, the legumes that are in, in the grass mixtures and the pure uh, legume uh, stands are not good. We had some terrible frost up until the third week of uh, May, where we, we even had minus nine some nights, and so that's stunted the uh, the uh, legumes, something terrible. So we don't expect a huge legume crop for the first cut. And now with the delayed start on the first cut, I'm not certain we're even going to get a second cut.
0: There are even more challenging conditions further north and west in the Meadow Lake region. Heavy rain in June resulted in some serious flooding.
7: Any highland, whether for hay or whatever, is being utilized now for pasture. So the big concern going forward is you know, where, where are they going to get winter feed for these cattle? And some producers are contemplating uh, selling off some of their breeding stock to kind of bring things through the winter if possible or, or look at maybe moving cattle someplace that would winter them for them. Uh, easier to move cattle than it is to move feed. So just a whole lot of decisions have to be made by these producers before the snow flies, that is for sure.
0: Belickies' District 9B, which covers the northwest part of the Grain Belt, has the highest number of breeding cows in the entire province. Back in a moment. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And by the REMAX Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel de Corby and Graham Toth. Online at landforsalesask.ca A Watrous Area Farmer is taking part in a summer tour sponsored by an agriculture company based in Winkler, Manitoba. Leslie Kelly is one of the speakers on the Thunderstruck Ag Equipment Thanks for Farming Tour. There were three stops late last month in Manitoba, with two more this week in Alberta. The Thanks for Farming Tour will move into Saskatchewan during the last week of July. Leslie Kelly is one of the founding members of Do More Ag an important mental health resource for farmers and the agriculture sector. Reporter Cheryl Brooks spoke to Leslie about going on the road during the COVID-19 pandemic.
8: I had reservations actually because I've been with my family. We've been in our bubble for the last few months. So it was hard for me to leave my family and kids because we've gotten in, into our own routine. But... Seeing people and hearing stories, being out in different areas, crop checking, it's really fueled my bucket, so I'm really fortunate to be out.
2: From the farmers that you're talking to, and I know everybody's doing things from a safe distance and everything, but what are farmers telling you across the prairies right now? What sort of stories are they telling you?
8: Yeah, I've been very fortunate where uh, farmers who have told me specifically that they came to hear uh, hear me speak, hear more about stress, know that they aren't alone, and to talk about mental health. So it has been encouraging that mental health and talking about it has become less taboo. Farmers are sharing with me their stresses have included the weather, COVID you know, a change in the routine, family dynamics, and basically then finances, too. So it's been anything and everything. And I've been hearing that, you know, just stress is top of mind.
2: What kind of advice do you have for them at that point? Or are you there just as a sounding board just to really listen to what they're telling you?
8: Yeah, I'm not an expert in mental health or a mental health professional. I'm just here to share that they aren't alone, and I'm here as someone who can listen and help take that weight off of of their shoulders if they don't have anyone to talk to or if they're looking for someone to relate to because being um, with my family, um, everyone in my family has had a mental health challenge or a mental health struggle. I've uh, dealt with it personally, so just knowing that they aren't alone.
2: And does it make a
8: difference? Are they telling you that? I'm hoping that it does make a difference. With some, yes it does, and, and some uh, I've had I've had to look for other resources, uh, professional resources in that area. So then I know that I'm at least helping them make the next step in helping them get the help that they need. I'm talking with younger producers, younger farmers and older farmers. I'm talking to farmers, the ones who are doing the day-to-day operations, and also the ones that are behind the scenes that are, are supporting farmers. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's everybody.
2: At this point, then, you've been traveling throughout the prairies, talking to farmers. What are the crops looking like, from what you can tell?
8: It is a real mix. I've been in some areas where they are flourishing because they've gotten some rain. I've also been in areas where they've had too much rain and some of the crops were under some stress so it just depended on the area that i was in i was in brandon when a huge storm came through they got over nine inches and areas were flooded roads were being taken out so it really depended on where i was
2: have you ever been in a storm like that before
8: I haven't, and I was actually—I was driving. I was kind of looking out, looking straight ahead, and I looked over to the side, and all these cars were pulled over. And I thought, what, uh, what's going on? And then I looked behind, and there was a huge shelf cloud, and uh, the clouds were green. So I thought, wow, I got to take cover, and I'm, I'm glad I did. So I'm not a storm chaser, but I felt that I was part of that group for a moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Leslie Kelly farms with her family in the Watrous area. She's one of the founders of Do More Ag and hosts a popular podcast called High Heels and Canola Fields. She's one of the speakers on the Thanks for Farming tour. That tour is in Alberta this week, but there will be three stops later this month in Saskatchewan, July 24th in Assiniboia, July 27th at Crake, and July 29th in North Battleford. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were showing upward movement in early trading. By Terra's prices for canola rose $2.70 at $441.68. Number one red spring wheat gained $2.36 at two twenty six ninety one. dollars The rest were unchanged. Durham two sixty six thirty nine, dollars Feed Barley one ninety five seventy, Flax five fifteen seventy nine, dollars Lentils six twelve fifty, dollars Oats two fifty six sixteen, dollars Yellow peas two fifty-one eighty-nine. Feed wheat one seventy two eighty eight. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, September spring wheat is up four and a half cents at five twenty-three and a quarter cents a bushel. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia 642-4180 or Weyburn 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integrityre in Grenfell, your locally owned Tire dealers. Now the latest Livestock Quotations.
9: This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of July 14th. Weyburn had a regular sale last week. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.80 to $0.90. D3 cows sold from $0.70 to $0.80. Counter cows sold from 60 cents to 70 cents. Heiferettes sold from a dollar five to a dollar seventeen, and good butcher bulls sold from a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty. We had a few steers and heifers at this sale. Six fifty to seven hundred pound steers averaged a dollar fifty three and sold up to two dollars. Seven hundred to eight hundred pound steers averaged a dollar sixty three and sold up to a dollar ninety nine. 700 to 800-pound heifers averaged $1.66 and sold it to $1.73. And 800 to 900-pound heifers averaged $1.45 and sold it to $1.64. This has been Stephanie Dagg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices
0: too. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices.
10: Ham sold 8,000 hogs Monday, selling a range of 112 to 148 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,400 head, selling in a range of 115 to 148 per CKG. Ham's number one sales this week are selling in the range of 18 to 24 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed, and four contract prices opened mixed this morning as well. On Monday, the Canadian dollar was up 15 basis points, with the daily exchange at 1.3567. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 73.38 cents U.S., while the trend that saw consistent price drops week over week since mid-March for Western Corn Belt and mid-May for the National region, prices nonetheless remain at historical lows and under significant pressure. Last week's base price for National was 37% lower than normally seen at this time of year, while the Western Corn Belt was a whopping 62% lower than the five-year average for the same marketing week. While weekly slaughters well above earlier ramp-up phase estimates in a post-COVID-19 plant closure environment, a backlog of hogs on farms due to those earlier closures all but ensures packers do not have to aggressively bid to secure supplies. Lean hog futures are mixed this morning, but like the cash market, there is a lack of fundamental news that will break the trade out of the recent trend that is also amid the lowest for the remainder of the year. Average futures values are approximately 29% lower than the benchmarks until December, while 2021 offerings are 6% lower compared to five-year average cash values. 2021 contracts are performing better than the 2020s, But they are also below benchmarks and have no reason to mount a turn or higher yet. Coming up, the Resource
0: Report. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. Denison Mines made history in 2019 with the first two ISR wells in the province as part of their test program. Now have achieved proof of concept for the ISR or in-situ mining method in northern Saskatchewan's Athabasca Basin. Denison President and CEO David Cates says the operation of ISR is very different from current methods used in Saskatchewan, but very popular in other areas of the world. The lack of excavation, a large underground mine, or mills are the differences involved in ISR. Instead, a series of wells drilled towards the ore allow for the injection and recovery of a uranium-rich solution, which can be chemically separated in a small-scale process plant. Cates says the solution can also be reconditioned and recycled back into the well field, basically creating a loop that would allow them to keep mining. Cates explains the next steps are more technical tests geared towards a feasibility study so they can make a definitive decision on more construction. He adds they're attempting to pair what has been established as the lowest-cost uranium mining method across the world with the really high-grade uranium deposit found in the Athabasca Basin. Strength in the energy and materials sectors helped boost Canada's main stock index in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets put in a mixed showing. The TSX Composite Index was up 70 points at 15,709. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 225 points at 26,311. The Canadian dollar traded at 73.44 cents, U.S. compared with 73.71 cents on Monday. The August crude oil contract was up 31 cents at $40.41 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at $1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming.